Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for any brand in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer, Dave Campbell with you. Portions of our show brought to you by World Floor Coverings. Tell them Oilers Now sent you and receive two times the Air Miles Reward Miles on all your flooring purchases at World Floor Coverings, where they know a lot about hockey and a lot about flooring. Situation is what it is. In fact, at this time of the year, several NHL organizations are doing their amateur scouting meetings. Uh, Usually clubs do amateur, then they do their pro, and they coordinate the two together. Not shedding any, not opening the business kimono there, but you can figure out maybe what I'm saying. Uh, We are pleased to be joined right now on the line, on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, by Ryan Wagman. He is the Director of Prospect Scouting for McKean's 2018 NHL Draft Guide. Ryan, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, un- unfortunately, we're doing this a little early this year. I think the the hope in Edmonton here was that we wouldn't focus on the draft in a perfect world until about June the 10th or June the 14th, but unfortunately, uh, uh, the Oilers' situation didn't come to fruition that way. So on that note, the opening question I have for you is, could you assess from your perspective the overall depth uh, of this year's draft? Of course, the Oilers selecting 10th overall, but how, how would you, you know, how would you rate this uh, this year's draft class. Sure, it's it's a fairly standard, fairly average in terms of its depth. I mean, we have a like a what looks like a pure superstar at the top of the draft in Dolan. Uh, two guys right below him who could also be high end, you know, front line all star type players in Svechnikov and Zadina. And then there's a group of you know, depending on who you talk to, they might say four, they might say seven. I would say about eleven guys who could almost be interchangeable. Really? in that next grouping that are, are going to be good top half of the roster players, if not necessarily superstars. Some of them have a bit higher upside, except, you know, more of a more uncertainty between whether they're going to, if they're going to be able to get to that upside or not. All right. Uh, you mentioned Dolan and, uh, you know, the generational player. Some people have actually gotten, in my case, because I've, I've suggested that Austin Matthews, I believe, is is also a generational player, along with Connor McDavid in back-to-back years. Uh, what's got scouts so excited about Rasmus Dolan? It's just it's the way he moves. It's his decision-making. First of all, I mean, he's a player who, you know, he hasn't yet, he's only eligible to be drafted in, the, in a month and a half. Yet he's been playing with men, I think, for two years now. And it's fairly rare, not just for an 18-year-old to be playing in the senior leagues in Sweden, but he did it at 17, and he was excelling. Um, and he just gets better and better. I mean, and the highlights just keep coming with the plays he makes at the blue line. You know, he does things that will remind you in some instances of, say, like how Drew Doughty would play the puck uh, when he first kind of joined the league. You know, the, just, just the, the way he would just make uh, defenders lose their balance, you know, almost like a killer crossover in basketball. Like, he's breaking ankles on, on the on the ice. Um, he's got he's got an, a great vision. Again, it's the skating, the puck handling, the instincts, and the maturity kind of all combined into one. And he's, unlike a lot of the other defensemen in this year's draft, he also has prototypical NHL size. 
which is a factor as well. Ryan Wagman joining us, Director of Prospect Scouting for McKean's uh, 2018 uh, You mentioned that you've got Svechnikov and Zadina sort of 2-3. You did not mention Brady Kachuk, and I'd like to maybe get the rationale on why you have a little bit of separation between Svechnikov and Zadina, who just spent time uh, playing in the OHL and Quebec League, and Kachuk, who I, I believe I saw today, are strong indications that he is going to uh, uh, be in school next year. Sure. So with Svechnikov and Zadina, those two are pure goal scorers. You know, they're they're lighting, they're they're you know getting the red lights going nonstop in in, in Barry and in Halifax, and I think they're going to continue to do so. Um, with Kachuk, he's a very talented player. I like him a lot. I think he's actually better than his older brother, but he doesn't have that dynamic goal scoring element that uh, that Sveshnikov and Zadina do. I think Kachuk is is a top line player or a second liner at worst. I think he's very close to being NHL ready. Um, but he's just not going to have that. He doesn't have that upside in terms of offensive production that uh, that Sveshnikov and Zadina do. But that said, he's still a, a fantastic prospect, and I think he should go in the top six at, late, at the worst. It's interesting because when Matthew Kachuk uh, was in his draft year, uh, the London Knights were out here in Western Canada. The Red Deer Rebels were hosting the Memorial Cup. And he, you know, I remember talking to Chris Knobloch, who's, who's from these parts and was coaching Erie, and London had eliminated Erie, and he said, Bob, the guy has got a broke, he's playing with a broken ankle. And uh, the Calgary Flames are not disappointed in that pick at all. And, and I'm just, Ryan, I'd be intrigued to know, did you have Matthew Kachuk rated ahead of Yessa Pugliarvi that year, or was there nobody in hockey anywhere that had Pugliarvi rated behind him, Kachuk going into that draft class? I don't have it on me. I'd, I'd have to look it up. But as far as I recall, no, we, we had Puyarvi ranked uh, ahead of Kachuk. But again, it wasn't that. Though. We saw Kachuk very high in that, you know, single-digit area. But I'm pretty sure, as I recall, we had Puyarvi probably third. Okay. Um, so there's the three forward. There's Dolan. There's the three forwards, and then a, a lot of perceptions out there are of the belief that there's a run on defensemen. Uh, some of the names I'm going to throw your way. Uh, Evan Bouchard, who's had a lot of experience now playing on a good junior team in London, though there weren't quite as there weren't the typical London team this year. Uh, Hughes, of course, is playing for the uh, U.S. team at the World Hockey Championship. Uh, Noah Dobson, you got the Boquist kid out of Sweden. How, do, you, do you see all four of those guys going in the top ten? I don't know about top ten. I, I think it's fairly a reasonable bet they'd go in the top 10, but I'd say by top 12, they're all off the board. Uh, we certainly have, you know, after the big three, um, kind of in my next group of eight, there are four defenders. And, you know, you mentioned the Hughes and Bouchard and Bokvist and, and Dodson. And I think they're all fantastic talents. And, and, you know, like I said, there's a lot of uh, interchangeability in that, that next uh, group of spots. So whether it's, you know, four out of the top 10 or four out of the top 12, they're definitely all going to go in, the, in that lottery range. What? Uh, which one do you like the best? Personally, I like Hughes. Okay. You know, and why? I understand why some don't because he's on the older side for this class, but Hughes has a very dynamic skating game. In the first half of the year, um, he was he was kind of struggling, I, I can almost say, struggling to kind of get up to speed with the NCAA game. He's not as big as some of the other defenders there. Obviously, he's one of the younger players in the NCAA. But... Um, after the World Juniors, and again, his performance with the U.S. national team was not—he was not the key guy on that World Junior squad. But after that, he went back to to Ann Arbor, and he was lights out for the rest of the year. He would just take over shifts, take over games. 
you know, you could not get the puck off his stick unless you wanted it to get off his stick. And to do that at the NCAA level, the other guys haven't been able to do that. So I know he can already play with players above his, you know, uh, weight class, so to speak. What do you think? Um, what do you think of Bouchard, Ryan? Well, Bouchard is not as dynamic with his skate. Bouza, he's a good thinker. He's a great thinker. He moves the puck exceptionally well. Um, you know, so he is what we call a, a, a you know, puck-moving defenseman, if not necessarily a highlight reel mobile defenseman, if that makes sense, if you're catching my distinction. Yep. Um, but he's very, very good, and, and you know, he, he does have a special sort of um, vision that will help him, and I think he's on a guaranteed NHLer. So uh, I, th- I think Bouchard goes in the top eight. Uh, I-, I don't know about Hughes. I mean, is it going to be hard for Detroit to pass on him as an example, a Michigan uh, product? Well, I don't know if he's not necessarily a Michigan product. Right. He, I mean, he's playing in Michigan in now. He, yep. He's from Toronto. He grew up in, or sorry, he's from uh, Florida, grew up in Toronto, and now he's been in, you know, with the, he was with the uh, U.S. program for a year and, and now with Michigan. So he has, yes, he has Michigan roots. Um, I, you know, I don't know if, if it, it really, I think for Detroit, they'll see which defenseman they like higher, whether it's going to be Hughes, whether it's Bouchard, Bokefist, or even Dobson. You know, I, I think they'll have a good chance to get that defenseman that they, their system needs and they need. Which, do you, which of the four defensemen do you like the least, Ryan? Um, it's a good question. I would say before the under-18s, I probably would have said Bokefist, but he, he convinced me that he's made, I, now I'd, I'd say Dobson is slightly slightly below uh, both at this point. All right, you brought up the U18s, and uh, it can be a difference maker for some of the guys. I mean, not everybody had caught Konami as a sort of top 10, 11, 12 guy before the U18s, and then Finland went out and run, won, and he played great. Uh, I don't know if he's an elite skater, but he can certainly, he's a competitive player, and he's a bigger body, and he is a center. Wallstrom can flat out score goals, uh, though it was ironic that he missed the tap in at the saddle net to tie it late for the Americans. And Ty Smith, a defenseman out of uh, the Western Hockey League with the Spokane Chiefs, who's you know spent the season playing with Cutter. He's had, he had a tremendous offensive campaign. To me, you know, he didn't move the needle much over there. Whereas a couple other guys really helped their cause. How much does did you have to factor that in in terms of your evaluation on prospects? I think it can be overblown, um, you know, especially I guess in, in you know mainstream media circles. The impact of the under eighteen for almost every one of these players, if not every single one, NHL scouts have had uh, many, many looks at them, you know, seen them all year long and know what these players can bring. It is a good chance to see a kind of a best-on-best type of event with, with some caveats, you know, clearly um, the Canadian team, at least, the many of the players who are st- were still playing in the CHL playoffs weren't there, but they still bring a, a good roster to the event. Um, so it does... It does help sometimes. You know, sometimes you can see a player playing in a different role. He might be a first-line player on his own team, but now at the you know with with a, a national roster, he's playing more defensive minutes. And so I think it's going to help more players in the lower tier of the draft class. So guys like Kotkaniemi and Wallstrom and and uh, even Ty Smith, I don't think any of them move the needle all too much. Like we had Wallstrom ranked seventh before the event, and I don't think that's going to change more than maybe one spot afterwards. Kotkaniemi also, we had him in 14th. He might move around to 11 or 10, but okay. I don't know that he's going to, you know, he, I don't think he's he's challenging for a top three spot, even as good as he was at that event. Um, and same with Ty Smith and the other end. He didn't have the best tournament, but even though he showed, you know, without putting up the points, he actually played a fairly good defensive game. 
He's reliable in his own zone. Um, and they see that, you know, he had a long season. He had a, an excellent season. And he didn't hurt himself that badly. And I still think he's around that middle of the first round area. So I think where you're going to see uh, the under 18s having the biggest impact as far as the draft class goes is players who are in the last few rounds who might not have had a big profile during the year, but, you know, maybe a little bit like, uh, say, um, Oscar Akuliar from Slovakia had a fantastic tournament, and he wasn't really on many uh, many lips before the event. Now I would say he might be a middle-round pick. Um, and that's where I think you'll see the most impact. Ryan, in terms of the forward, so because I do think Kakanami is going to end up in the top eight. Uh, I know that Craig Button has an example in the mock draft that he did, and we used to have Craig on the show for uh, years here until uh, until TSN bought a station in town or Bell bought a station in town. But I, I know that Craig had uh, Kakanami up at eighth, and I know he's on Montreal radio, and he thinks the Canadians, you know, they're looking for a center. This guy's to me, I'd be surprised if he's there. At ten, um, but do, uh, you guys got him at ten, eleven. You obviously think. Do you think he's going to go in that range, or is that just how you guys rank him? So we haven't done our final ranking just yet. Our last ranking, he was fourteenth, and that's mostly due to concerns about his speed. Yeah, um, you know he, he's okay, but he certainly doesn't have that dynamic speed element. This is getting more and more of a skating game in the NHL, and so that is that concern. I don't think has been alleviated in our final rankings. Like I said, they haven't been done yet. And it's probably, you know, in that, that back end of the top 10, I'm probably looking at, you know, two between um, Valeno and Dobson, Lundestrom, Hayton, uh, Kotkaniemi. They're kind of vying for that top 10 spot. So he certainly could. I, will, I, I would really think it would be a mistake for Montreal to use a third overall pick on, uh, on, on Kotkaniemi when Sveshnikov or Zadina would be available. Yeah. Hundred, I mean, hundred percent. It it totally makes sense. Valino is interesting to me because he can skate. How do you think? How would you assess his hockey sense? Well, I like Valino a lot. I mean, he was not. You know, earlier in the year, I was kind of down on him. He was not having a. He was having a very slow start with uh, with St. John, and then after the trade to Drummondville, he just took off, and he showed he can, he's not just a playmaker, but he's also he can score goals. Uh, I like his hockey sense. You know, I wouldn't say he's he's the, the highest IQ hockey guy in the game, but you know, he's been playing at a high level from a very young age. As I think everybody knows, he was the first ever and still the only uh, exceptional status player in the Quebec League history. Um, he's had a good career, a uh, good uh, Quebec League career. And he, he's not going to go to the NHL right away, but you know, he still has room to grow. But I think, I think his role with St. John previously last year when they were a very strong team, he played a more defensive two-way role. And that shows me that he's not just a one-way guy. He can bring a lot to the table, even if he's not, you know, your first-line center. So I, I, I'm a fan of Elena. It's a question for me whether he'll be above Kotkaniemi at the end, but I, I do like him. All right. Uh, Barrett Heighton, by the way, still playing with uh, a very good team with Sault Ste. Marie, who are down. We had Steve Stales on the show last week. They're down 2-1 uh, to Hamilton. Uh, does it help if guys continue to play at this time? Like, Let's say Sue wins that series. They should win that series. They've got more high-end talent than Hamilton. Uh, that, that can't hurt, uh, help, but uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt to help guys in that situation. Uh, you'd have to think that you're still getting front and center in front of NHL scouts at that time. To an extent, I mean, I think a lot of the other prospects whose seasons are over are spending more time in, in um, you know, pre-combine meetings and, and individual sort of uh, um, you know, physical tests and things of that nature. So, I mean, it doesn't hurt a player like Hayden to still be playing unless, of course, he, you know, gets hurt. Um, but, 
you know, everybody I think at this point knows what Barrett Hayton is. Yeah. You know, he's a very good two-way center. He's fast. He's smart. He makes plays. He's playing only a third-line role with the Greyhounds, but he's still almost a point per game. And so, you know, looking just at the numbers can be a bit tricky with a player like him. But I don't think we're going to see something in the next, whether it's two more games or, you know, uh, what will it be, I guess nine more games that are going to make it to the Memorial Cup um, that we haven't already seen with Barrett Hayden. But you, sure, it does. It especially doesn't hurt for the fans of whoever drafts. Say, I saw that guy, you know, in, in uh, May playing in the, the Memorial Cup, and it's, it kind of helps fans accept and recognize that player. So that's not a bad thing. Ryan, just to wrap up, uh, how do people get hold of the McKean's 2018 NHL uh, draft guide? Sure. So uh, you go to our website, McKeanshockey.com. That's M-C-K-E-E-N-S Hockey.com. Um, we are either you can either buy a one month subscription to the website that's I think it's nine ninety nine and that gets you access to everything on our site, including a ton of scouting reports that our, our, our regional scouts put out all the time. Uh, we have a sample of Joe Delano right now that you can look at, um, and in the next month we'll be putting out our draft guide that'll include that. You could buy the draft guide on its own after it's out. It's fourteen ninety nine, and there you get of course an annual subscription that's I think it's thirty five ninety nine, and that just gets you access to all of our reports and, and, you know, World Juniors previews, draft previews, other articles all year long. Um, And so it's all there. Ryan, thanks for your time. My pleasure. That is Ryan Wagman. He is the Director of Prospect Scouting with McKean's 2018 NHL Draft Guide. We'll wrap up Oilers now when we return. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmSports.ca That's ProAmSports.ca This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. It's 155 in Edmonton. Let's go to Listing Oilers History brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. If you're looking at going on a river cruise in Europe for 2018, New West Travel has some great rates on fabulous cruises. May 8th, 1992. I remember it well. Essa Ticken and Kelly Buckberger, Scott Mellaby score goals. The Oilers beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 to take a 3-1 series lead in the Smythe Division Final. Oilers would close it out. Game 6 at home. Pat Quinn was coaching the Canucks. End of the game, Pat was chucking his gum on the ice as the Oilers advanced in uh, 1992. They weren't supposed to. Speaking about the Kachucks, that was the year that Keith Kachuk made his debut with the Winnipeg Jets in the 92 playoffs against Vancouver. And I was doing some work in northern uh, in the month of April in northern BC and then came back for two weeks in the first two weeks of May. I was actually at game six of that Edmonton-Vancouver series. Um, Dan Russell from CKNW, not happy that the Oilers won that series. That's what I remember. He was like, he was like, there's no way the Oilers could win this series. I'm like, okay, they they've won the cup in '90. They went three rounds in '91. There's no way they're beating the Canucks in '92. 
And they did in six. This, then they missed the playoffs, 93 through 96. Uh, the Stay in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Great travel deals. And back then, there was only 21 teams. Uh, weddings, honeymoons, golf packages, employee corporate reward trips. Call a friendly staff at New West Travel, 780-432-7446. Online at newwesttravel.com. Tomorrow, we're doing a flip. Craig, Sim- Craig Simpson is flying tomorrow international. So Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hockey and Rogers will join us tomorrow. We'll get Simmer on the show on Thursday. Dallas Stars head coach Jim Montgomery tomorrow as well on Oilers. Now, tonight on Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins actually has a show. And he's only got about three more shows left, and he gets about two weeks off or three weeks off in a row. Uh, Oilers Radio Network, play-by-play voice, Jack Michaels. I know that guy from somewhere. Eskimos Radio, play-by-play voice, Morley Scott, and former Oilers, they call him an enforcer? Well, he was a scrapper, Darcy Hardichuk, on tonight's edition of Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. See ya! Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.